0: tall. This thing's way up in the air. Good morning. I am Pat Kleitz. I am from Buffalo, New York. Everybody say Buffalo. Come on. That wasn't very good. Say Buffalo. Yeah, I've known Pastor Ron and Mary for, oh my goodness, I forgot. I'm just like you. I'm forgetting. A long time, 20-some years, we've been actually building buildings side-by-side, side, kind of. I'm in Buffalo, but... As he was building here, I was building there. In fact, uh, Keith over here helped uh, put the steeple on our first building. I remember that years ago. I had pictures of that. It was a pretty incredible time, and we have been there building and building. And I've got one more building I need to build, and, and I'm going to build that building with the Lord's grace and with his help. I keep telling my wife I've got one more house in me to build, and she said, go ahead, build it. You can live in it by yourself. 44, almost 45 years of marriage. This is my wife, Doral. Would you stand up? My best friend, my buddy, my traveling companion. You know, uh, Pastor Ron and I, we do talk a lot. We share a lot in ministry. Um, he is a good friend. We cry a lot together. I'm like him. I get all choked up and You know, it's real easy for me to shed a tear or something like that. And I'm going to shed some tears here this morning. I just can feel it. There's something going on in here. It's a little bit different. I feel like it's a little different. In fact, my wife asked me, she said, are you ready? And I said, no. The Lord just really changed what I'm going to share. And actually, with the songs and the music you just sang, I think I need to share something with you, really from my heart. Uh, In the Scripture, in Psalms, I want to read a psalm. And I'm going to start off with that psalm. You have none of this on your PowerPoint, by the way. This is totally different, so you can forget that PowerPoint I gave you. Psalm 66, if you have your Bibles, if you turn there, Psalm 66. And this is kind of a difficult psalm. And, uh, you know, a lot of the psalms are difficult. We don't understand them. When we think about God, we think about His mercy and His grace and His love and how much He cares for us, He provides for us, and all that. But you know, being a Christian and a follower of Christ, you go through some really difficult times, don't you? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Boy, I've been through some hard times over the last several years. Uh, Since you last saw me, which I guess was about four years ago, some of you saw me. Anyway, verse 10 says, for you, O oh God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. How many of you like that scripture? You like that scripture? Oh, come on, will you? You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. Aren't you glad there's a but in there? I love the buts in Scripture because they get us through those really, really trying times, those testing times. I've been pastoring for 25 years in the same place in Buffalo, and we've had our ups and downs, like most of you. About eight years ago, I had a young man in my church that decided... He knew quite a bit more than I did, and I finally had to let him go. And about 50, 60, 100 people left. The most difficult time of my life, i got to tell you, it was so hard. My wife can tell you, the nights that I spent up and crying and saying, what did I do, what did I do, what did I do? I often say, I've never been divorced, but it's got to be like that. It's got to be just an awful thing, the tearing of the flesh and difficult time. That was about eight years ago. And then about uh, four years ago, um, I went to my doctor and uh, had a simple test, a simple blood test, and my PSA went up just a smidgen, not enough to even mind. And uh, he sent me to a urology doctor and said, you really ought to have that checked out. So I went And the urology doctor said, oh, it's nothing. He just blew it off. And I said, wait a minute. I don't feel right about this. Do a biopsy. Well, they did a biopsy, and sure enough, it came back that I had prostate cancer. They scale it from a 1 to 10. I was a 10 out of 10. He couldn't believe it. The urology doctor said, I've never seen anything like this. In fact, it was so bad, they gave us a social worker to encourage us remember that social worker, Doral, sat down and said, she looked at me, she said, I've never seen anything like this. No one's ever had a Gleason 10. Well, I had a Gleason 10, so anyway, I looked at her and I said, I'm German, Irish, it's quite a mix, and I don't do anything halfway. I do it all the way or I don't do it at all. I just kind of jump in. And I jumped in and they took my prostate out. Stitched me back up. Very successful. The cancer hadn't spread. At least they couldn't find any of my lymph nodes or anything like that. Well, lo and behold, about three months to old later, my urethra stopped functioning. And that's, you know, not a good thing. So my bladder filled up, and I had to go to the doctor. And oh, my gosh, what a terrible time that was, what they do to you. I mean, I had things done to me I never even dreamed they could do to you. I remember the first time I went to the urology doctor, a, a pretty lady walked in and she was going to examine me. I looked at her and I said, isn't there somebody else? Well, by the time they got done poking and prodding me, I could have cared less who was looking at me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Just get me fixed. Well, anyway, so they took me in, they took me in, they took me in. They kept plugging up and they took me in and they kept doing stuff to me that I won't tell you about because it will make you want to miss bre- lunch or breakfast, whatever. So anyway, they did some awful things to me and come to find out I had bladder cancer. So I went to Roswell near us, and they just shook their head and said, well, it's all through your body. Da-da-da-da. We walked out on one meeting, and it was just unbelievable. I thought, literally, I was just going to die. Stage four bladder cancer. Stage four. There's nothing that comes after stage four. That's like four. That's like bad. That's like 10. So I went to Cleveland Clinic. And when I was in Cleveland Clinic, I'd never been there before. What an amazing place. You guys have got a lot of good stuff in Ohio. You know that? You got the best of the best clinics in the world. And I testify to that. I'm alive today because of the good people at Cleveland Clinic. Praise the Lord for that. I mean, really, seriously. I went there, and I was signing in, and I was just kind of filling out the documentation. And I looked over, and my wife, Dorold, who doesn't talk to any strangers, if she doesn't talk to you, it isn't because she doesn't like you. It's just that she's shy. I take up the other part of it. I'm not shy at all, but she's just really shy. She grew up in the country. Anyway, she's sitting at a table all by herself, and I looked over, and there's somebody sitting there with her. Some guy was sitting there, I thought. I'm filling out this paper going, oh, my God. I'm looking and thinking, that's not right. So I go over, and I sit down, and the guy looks at me, and he goes, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. I've got something for you that I want you to read. He gave me a book. On reversing heart disease. Well, I didn't have heart disease. I thought that was kind of strange. Gave me this book on reversing heart disease, and then he looked at me and said, "You're in the right place, and you are going to be okay." I looked and thought, "Wow, that was strange." So he gets up and he walks away. He goes down a flight of stairs. Next thing you know, he comes back up the flight of stairs and he howls across this room he says you're gonna be just fine there's angels that walk all up and down the halls in this place and he walked away looked at my wife and said what was that she said pat we've been visited by an angel so i go and i sit down with my with the guy the surgeon he looks at me and says i don't think we can do much with you because i had cancer 35 years ago and they radiated my whole colon and everything. It was like concrete and brick, he said. And I don't know that we can do anything with you because we've got to take your bladder out and all this other stuff. And I just don't know. But I'd seen an angel. I knew in my heart I was in the right place. And that God was going to rescue me. I looked at that guy and I said, You're the one. You can do this thing, Doc. He was from France. You're the one, you can do this thing. I know God brought me here. And he looked at me and I gotta tell you, I've been raised, I was raised Catholic. Nothing I don't mind Catholic, Catholicism, but I never liked those the crucifixes and the, the rosaries. I didn't like those much because I didn't understand it. But he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a rosary. And he held it up. It was beautiful, remember? I mean, that thing shined like Jesus. And he looked at me and he said, Some things I can do and some things only he can do. And I said, You're the man. You're the guy, right? God sent me here. So, anyway, I went home and they put me on chemo. Four months of the toughest chemo you can take. I was in good condition at the time physically. The guy who put me on chemo was a good friend of mine. I traveled to Israel with him, and he said, Pat, he said, I'm going to take you down to nothing. There's going to be nothing left of you. And I was tough, and I thought, how am I going to tough this thing out? In fact, I told him, I said, I'm not even going to lose my hair during the chemo. He just kind of laughed at me. I was serious. I wasn't going to lose my hair. Well, I didn't lose my hair. He couldn't believe it. My hair turned snow white. Did you see me when my hair was white? It was like shining white. I mean, I got a size 8 head. And I was really concerned about the church on Sunday morning because we got these big lights. Can you imagine a size 8 head looking at you, bald and shiny? And I said, Lord, you've got to be merciful to the people. <laughs> me too, you know. And honestly, I lost all the dark hair, but the rest of my hair turned silver. And after chemo, it came back in and it got real wavy and curly. I looked so cute, I'm telling you. All the ladies just wanted to give me a hug. And anyway, so my I didn't lose my hair, but I went through the most one of the most difficult things. I had two blood transfusions hemoglobin was low, my red blood cells were low. It was very, very difficult time. As soon as I was done with that, choo, right to Cleveland Clinic, into surgery, I said, Doc, I'm out of here. I'm going to set a record I'm going to be out of here so quick. He just smiled at me. Fourteen days later, I was still in the hospital. Five is normal. Six is like really a long time. Fourteen days it took me to recover with no food because of my colon was so was so difficult to work with. For 14 days, I was in that place, but over 14 days, I met so many amazing people. Dora would come in sometimes at night, she stayed in the thing there, and, and there'd be nurses or people on the floor kneeling on the floor, and I'd be praying with them and talking to them about Jesus. I took every single opportunity I could to share Jesus, right? She'd come in, and one of the nurses would go out and say, oh, so pastor was just counseling me, or pastor was this. or And that's what everybody called me, was pastor on the floor. I mean, after you're there for a long time, people get to know you pretty well. And then I went home, and I recovered and got back to preaching again and teaching. and And so I was doing pretty well over about... Three years, I mean, you know, I go for my regular checkups and I'm still clear. There's, there's no cancer in my body anywhere. Literally, they can't find it. I am now a T0, whatever it is. I have no cancer in my body. I'm extremely healthy. Praise the Lord for that. That's right. No cancer in my body, but about two months ago, three months ago, maybe three months ago, I'm driving up the road to go see my grandkids, and I start getting this pain in my chest. Like, oh, man, what in the world is this? You know, I never felt anything like that. So I go up and get them breakfast, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. I come home. I said to my wife, I got a really bad pain in my chest. I think I better go see the doctor. I said, I'll take myself. So I'm driving to see the doctor. You know, this pain's getting worse and worse. You ever get pain in your chest? That was a really, I mean, it was like somebody was just going like this. I didn't know what it was. So I get about halfway there and said, I better not go see the doctor. I better go to the hospital. Good move. I'd made a right-hand turn, pulled up to the emergency room, parked my car, walked in, and said, I got pain in my chest. Man, they went into emergency mode. Well, come to find out, I was having a heart attack. That was like three months ago. I was having a heart attack. You've got to be kidding me. Oh, they're running down the hall with me on this gurney, and I'm talking to the guy. I'm trying to talk to him about Jesus and the guy who's going to do the angiogram. I used to swim with him, so I knew him. And finally the guy says, Would you please just shut up? You're having a heart attack, and you could die any minute now. And I'm thinking to myself, That's okay. I'm ready to go home to be with Jesus. Have you ever got to the place in your life were you really ready to go home and be with the Lord? Oftentimes I've told him, Lord, if you want me, it's fine. It really is, you know. It's really okay. Just I don't want to linger and suffer and go through go down to nothing and put my wife and my family and kids. If you want me, just take me like that. You see, one of the things that I learned in Philippians chapter 1. This has become really a kind of a life verse for me. Philippians chapter 1. It says this in verse 21. And you sang about this this morning. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Say that with me. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Say that with me again. To live is Christ. To die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know, for I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better But it's necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain. I will continue with all of you for your progress, your joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. So I'm alive because I have things that God wants me to do. Places he wants me to go and people he wants me to encourage. Cleveland Clinic called me about, I don't know, I guess it was a month ago. They were having a big convention on bladder cancer. They called me to be one of the speakers. Can you imagine that? So guess who introduces me to about 150 people? Surgeons and oncology people and people with bladder cancer. My surgeon introduces me just like you did, Ron, with tears. And he introduces me, and I get up, and i got like five minutes. And I said, two things are important. Number one, whatever you're going through, you need prayer. You need Jesus in your life. You've got to have him. I don't know how you can do this thing, cancer, without Jesus. I don't know how you can get through it. Without him, what's your hope? What do you hold on to? I, sh- I said just about that, and I said the second thing that you got to realize is that whatever you're going through in life, it's bigger than you. Do you understand that this morning? Whatever you're going through in life, it's bigger than you. It's not about you. It's about the King and the Kingdom of God. It's about advancing His Kingdom. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Sometimes it costs you everything to pray that prayer. When you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's bigger than you, do you understand that? If I didn't learn anything, I learned that whatever you go through, when men ride over you, when you go through the fire, when you go through difficulties and you've been through them, Think about this. It's bigger than you. It's not about you. If it becomes about you, then it will take your life. It will destroy you. That's what I told these people at that conference. If this becomes about you, it will take your life. You will go inward. And if you go inward, you'll find out that there's nothing there If Jesus isn't there, if Jesus is there, then it's bigger than you. To live is Christ. Come on. But to die, wow. When they're wheeling me down through the hospital, I'm having a heart attack. This guy's looking at me, he's going, ah! He's like the emergency room whatever, ambulance. You know? They have this people that's what they do they're the emergency room ambulance you know when people like me come in how did you get in here i said i walked i drove you drove yourself in here you could have killed my grandson that's what some lady said to me i said i didn't know i was having a heart attack she's hollering at me this guy's hollering at me shut up you're you're disturbing my concentration and i looked at him i said i'm okay i'm okay i'm going down my list doral's okay She's really okay. My home is okay. My kids are grown up. My grandkids are okay. My church is okay. I'm okay. To die is gain. I'm thinking I'm going to see Jesus face to face in a little bit of time here. Maybe I'm going to see my Lord and Savior in just a little bit of time. I was really pretty excited about the situation. You know, I'm weird like that, but I just jump all in. I've been through so much. When he strips you down to nothing, and you don't care who's looking at you, you get down to the basics of life. Real simple. Are you with me? To live is Christ, and to die is gain is pretty simple, isn't it? That summarizes life. You got nothing to lose. You got everything to gain. It makes life pretty simple. It makes getting up in the morning pretty amazing. God, what are you going to do with me today? Who have you got for me today? So this guy's wheeling me down through the... I'm saying, you know what? I'm really okay. I'm really good. Get into the thing. They do an angiogram. I look at the guy and said, I know you. He goes, You do? And I said, Yeah. I know, and I said, I know who you are. I swim with you down at the Y. Oh, yeah, we're having this conversation. He said, would you please be quiet? Uh, you know, he's trying to do an angiogram to find out why my heart's not working, right? And I'm talking to him, and we're talking. And I looked at him, and I said, you know, I said, I've said, i always had something I wanted to tell you. I wasn't sure whether I was going to live or not. You have the worst stroke of any swimmer I've ever seen in the world. But you can swim for a long time. I actually said that to him, and he just smiled at me. And come to find out, I had a blockage. A piece of plaque broke off and stopped one of my main arteries going down, and it just kind of blocked it. Dropped down, stopped one of the arteries on the bottom. He poked something in there, cleared it up. I didn't have to have a stent. They kept me in the hospital for a day and took me out and put me on five medicines. Five. One, two, three, five, five, and I don't do medicine, except unless it's chemo. Otherwise, I don't do medicine. Medicine doesn't agree with me. I don't do antibiotics if I can help it. Five medicines they put me on. Well, while I was in the hospital, I picked up MRSA in my nose. I got a big nose, too. and I mean, my nose really blew up. My face blew up. My nose blew up. Everything blew up. So they put me on this antibiotic, this super-strong antibiotic. So I'm on five medicines and an antibiotic. Guess what? My colon stops working. Shut right down on me. About two weeks after they put me on this medicine, because it's one of the side effects with all that heart medicine, I didn't even know what I was taking. I had to buy a pillbox. box and put all these pills in this box, and they just dump them in my hand. And My wife said, Did you take your medicine? <gasps> yeah, I took my medicine. My colon shut down. Can you believe that? So they put me in the hospital. I only got a couple more minutes, huh? They put me in the hospital, and the surgeon goes to my church. And he comes in. He was in Dorald's class that night, and he heard I was in the hospital. He goes, oh, my gosh, what's he doing now? He goes to the hospital. I'm in the emergency room. He looks at me and says, "And he goes, I, you know, you got to stop doing this, pastor. You got to stop doing it." I didn't, you know, you ever have a blocked up colon? Oh, that really hurts. I mean, that's like worse than a heart attack. It really was. It hurt more than that. So he puts a tube down my nose. First time he's done it, I think forever. But he did it with almost like pleasure. He puts this tube down my nose, right? He said, we're just going to empty out your stomach and hope this clears up. He said, because I don't want to operate on you because, you know, go back to the colon story, how messed up my colon is. In fact, I saw my surgeon from Cleveland a few weeks ago for a follow-up exam, and he said, don't let anybody operate on your colon. He said, if they're going to operate on your colon, you call me, and you come to Cleveland and let me do it. That's what he said to me because, well, he says, I messed a lot of stuff up in there when I did that. That's why my colon... Backed up. So anyway, four days in the hospital. That was like, I don't know, two months ago? Maybe. So I got out of the hospital and said, that's it. I'm going to change the way I live. I'm going to really begin to discipline my life. Listen to me. I'm almost 69. I've lived this long. Okay? I've only got this much more left compared to this do you know what i'm saying the window is narrowed in my life it's narrowed down significantly i still have things i want to do and while i was laying in there in the hospital lord said i want you to discipline your life i want you to begin to go through this narrow gate you know sometimes when we get older we retire we check out on life isn't that right We get up later, we get lazier, we don't do some of the things we did, we don't we don't take care of ourselves maybe as well as we used to. But let me tell you something. The Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to discipline your life. I want you to become more disciplined than you've ever were in your whole entire life. I thought when I get older it'd get freer. I thought when I get older it'd get easier. But he's saying something. We live in times and seasons where we as the body of Christ need to live disciplined lives. Do you agree with me? We need to live in such a way that Christ is glorified in us. That when I stand here and I tell you my story and I tell you I'm almost... 69 years old, you go, he looks pretty good for 69 years old and haven't been through what you've been through. How many of you agree, I look pretty good? Right? I look pretty good. Right, Doral? (laughs) I do. And the reason why is because of a disciplined life. How is your life? Are you living for Christ? Are you living a disciplined life? Maybe you only got this much time. Maybe you're young and you got this much time. It doesn't matter. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And so he allows you to go through the things you go through till you come to the place where you say, I get it. To live is Christ. And to die is gain. He wants to make us like Christ. So He refines us. He tests us. He takes us through difficulties and difficult times so that we can can be an encouragement to other people. Especially in these times and in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's the end of my message. It's 1130. I could tell you more, but I have to come back and tell you more. Listen, I got something for you this morning, okay? If, you're, if you know somebody that's going through cancer, or if you've got a friend or something, when I, when, after I went through all that I went through, I sat down with a couple other people that survived cancer, stage 4 melanoma and uterary cancer, and we developed a curriculum, a seven-part a small group curriculum called Life's Bend in the Road. We developed it. It took us two and a half years. Actually, we've been working on it for two and a half years. I actually took my church through this curriculum and then got their feedback. We actually filmed, had a company from Ohio come in. It's professionally filmed, professionally done. It cost us thousands and thousands of dollars to actually make this DVD series. But the beauty of it is it's also designed so that you as an individual you could sit down you could watch the series it's got everything in there that I wish I knew before I got cancer <laughs> you know when you get cancer it's all of a sudden your world changes it turns upside down you lose your independence you go from doctor to doctor to doctor and place to place to place and you feel like a pincushion and this is kind of like everything that you ever want to know this disc right here is previews of the series. There's, this is about 27 minutes long, and it gives you a preview of each one of the seven sessions. Okay, I just have a handful of these. I'll leave them wherever. You can take, take one of these. You can do a preview, or you can go on our website, bendintheroad.net, and you can view all the previews there, There's also a book that goes along with it. This actually is, uh, we just finished having this published, which is really cool. This is a workbook that goes with the curriculum. But if you're actually going through the material, you actually go online, you can download the sessions, you can actually uh, go through it with a workbook like this. It has questions and a lot of real great resources in it. It's a phenomenal resource for anybody that's going through cancer. If you know anybody that's going through it, I highly recommend it. The whole message in here is there's always hope, and it's all about Jesus. To live as Christ, to die as gain, and it's just a real interactive DVD series. There's there's uh, interviews of my surgeon in Cleveland. There's oncology doctor interview. There's other doctors. There's other people. There's all kinds of uh, good information in it. There's a session on nutrition, uh, how to stay healthy and difficult, uh, during difficult times and things like that. Anyway, I want to leave that with you and uh, bless you with that. And God bless you, and thanks for having me here. Have me back. I'll give you part two. Pastor Ron, God bless you, man. Awesome.
1: Glad I'm not as old as him. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. You think about, you know, all that he's been through, and he's got one more building. Oh, yeah, I know. We talk. We talk about it, yeah. We're going to go look at one today. I told him about one close here. Over at Rising Sun, I told him about the Church of God built the youth center. He said, I want to see it. He said, that sounds like what I want to do. I got to go see that. So that's on our agenda to go see that. So um, Pat's going to be up front to pray with you. Um, he'll be over to this side over here because we do have to pick up chairs today. So Pat up the will be over here to pray with you about anything you want prayer for. Um, I'll put these back on the back table when we're done so people can pick those up. And uh, let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence with us. Lord, we thank you that your word does not return void. So, Lord, we just pray that the seeds that were planted would grow. Lord, help us to be faithful to you. Lord, help us to remember that that there's always, when there's time left, there's always things to do. So, Lord, help us to be faithful to you. Lord, we just pray that you just... uh, Encourage anyone that has a need for prayer to come up and let Pat and Daryl pray with them this morning and share with them. Lord, we just thank you for being with us. Lord, we just ask you to just watch over us as we go our separate ways. And Lord, just uh, continue to guide us. We thank you for that. Thank you for your presence with us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.